0: All right. Mercy, how are you doing? Um, what an awesome, awesome time we have to, in worship. Uh, I just, I love that my heart has been realigned as we were singing those songs. You know, got my focus right, got my heart just lasered in on Christ. How many of you were blessed? Would you give a hand for our worship team? Thank you so, so much. Hey, we are um, right now in a sermon, sermon series called Doctrine. We're looking at 10 main essential doctrines of the Christian faith and how they matter for our everyday life. Now, last Sunday was the topic of the Trinity. Some of you are like, we got that one out of the way. I was getting a lot of feedback from you, and I did hear a lot that it was a challenging subject. And I want to let you know that it's implicit in our faith. We all sing it, we read it, we know it, If we're hearing it for the first time, it could sound a little new to us. So do not be alarmed by it. And of course, I could do a better job. So (laughs) having said that, what a great subject it was, the Trinity, the triune God. And the reason is because it sets up today's topic just perfectly. I mean, it's a layup here. Um, And the reason is because the triune God is a God who exists in three persons for eternity. Watch this in a relationship, in community. And when this God creates humanity, he forms us in his image, thereby making us communal people, relational people. So I'm thrilled to talk to you about what is the church. Let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you for our church I thank you for how you have guided us and led us. Lord, I pray that this subject would inspire us, encourage us, comfort us, convict us to be the church you have called us to be. Lord, thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for all that you will do. Amen. I want to start off with a simple question, a question about church that I don't think you probably have ever asked yourself or somebody else. The question I want to talk to you about is Have you ever wondered, or let me ask you this way, do you believe in the church? Have you ever heard that question? Do you believe in the church? What a strange question. <laughs> now, the reason I ask that and put it that way is because, if you know, our tri- Christian tradition stems in large part from a Nicene Creed. It, in the fourth century, church fathers got together, and they put together what Christians were believing based on the Scripture, and they wrote out a statement of faith, basically. A lot of, most of my doctrine is based on that here. And they write this, they talk about, I believe in God the Almighty, I believe in God the Son, I believe in the uh, Spirit, and then they write, I believe in, or we believe in the church. Why would someone need to believe in the church? Now, I think this is actually very important. I think that we, Christians, think about this, mostly believe that the Word of God is important. They may not may or, may or may not read it, but most Christians believe the church is, excuse me, the Word of God is important. Most Christians believe prayer is important. They may or may not practice it, but they believe it's important. Most Christians believe that sharing the faith may or may not be doing it, but believe it is important. But when it comes to the church so often, Christians do not believe it is important. In fact, I find with the church it to be the case that so often we may practice it but not believe it. You see, the church today and our optimism and our belief in the church is at an all-time low. This is what I consider to be the case. Think about how disposable, unnecessary Christians treat the church to be We often might even think the church is so unneeded. We have attitudes. Have you ever heard this attitude or this statement, something like, I'm into Jesus, not his church? What would you say to that? Sometimes we have a position or people have a position that they're like, I'm done with church and here's why. The church is filled with a lot of hypocrites. Anybody hear that? Church has a ton of hypocrites. By the way, let me just respond to that. That's like quitting the gym because you saw some people out of shape. I've never quit the gym. Well, I haven't even gone there. But I've never quit the gym or heard somebody quit the gym. It's like, you know what? I'm done with this thing. Why? I saw this guy. He was way out of shape. It's like maybe the gym is for that reason. The church is not perfect people. Church is broken people gathered to worship a perfect God. Or maybe, maybe some of you have church hurt. This is real. Maybe some of you come from places where there was a lot of church disunity, fighting. Hey, do you remember? I don't know if you know this, but some churches have business meetings where everybody comes together like members. And some of you are smiling at me, some of you are like, no clue. Basically, it's like a business meeting. And what I have found is for business meetings, everybody shows up. I mean, prayer could have like 10% of the church. Business meetings has 120% of the church. Everybody comes because then you get to, and for an immature church, business meetings just tear at the body of Christ. Maybe that has been your experience. Or maybe some of you have seen churches hijacked by ideologies or church malpractice like money, money schemes and brand schemes. Think about all the forces today that war against our love of the church. Think about today, like Sunday morning worship, how often there's a battle between a very well-paid overtime job or go to church. Kids' sports or go to church. Football or go to church leisure or go to church. And to add to all of this is people's suspicion when a pastor stands in front of them and says, church is important. It's like, yeah, (laughs) you've got a horse in the game, sir. (laughs) Of course, church is important. Oh, my question to you is, do you believe in the church, do you believe church matters? Do you believe there's glory to this thing called this entity, this this bride of Christ that, that that is called the church? And I want to tell you, oh, it matters. The local church matters. The church as a whole matters. And I am so thrilled to get into it. So let me just begin. My sermon has two big parts with many points in between. You know, that's how I roll. So first thing I want to talk to you about what a church is, and it's this. It's God's people. Church isn't a building. Importantly, church isn't a church service hour on Sunday. Church is God's people. Now, I think we get this really well because we meet in a high school, so we never drove by and said, that's my church. But if God, and when God blesses us with a church building, It'll still be the case that it's not our church. Our church simply meets there. God's church. God's people. This is so so key. It's a people. It's people that are God's. And and He 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 got Him and He made us into called us into existence, brought us forth according to the plan of the Father through the Son in the power of the Spirit. Let me stop here. And when we, we could substitute the word God's people for a whole number of words, we'll get into that in just a moment. God's bride, that's what a church is. God's family, God's temple, we're gonna get into that. But at the most foundational level, think of a church as people of God. Now the two purposes for what the church exists for are to be for the world on a mission and or to be an end in itself. You see, Christians have looked at what the church is and asked, what is the purpose of the church? And they've come away with two purposes, two reasons. One is they looked at the church and said, the church is an end in itself. It's the destination for which God has made us for. Church is to be a church, His people, his bride. And some have looked at the church and said, no, 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 church is an instrument of the kingdom. It is meant to be in the world, not of the world, for the world. So is the church a destination, like we're just the church? It's awesome. Or is the church an instrument? And to this question, we say, yes, both. Church is the plan of God to be the people of God, the family of God for eternity, And a church is meant to be an instrument used, that is us, for the world, proclaiming the gospel, a people of good deeds and good works. The best way I could explain this to you is sort of like quality dates, quality time. Anybody have a relationship with someone and they're like, they love quality time, that's their love language? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, all of us here have someone like that. And, uh, and what's interesting about quality time is it really, really cuts against you if you're like a productive type. And when you're holding hands with somebody, you ask the question like, and now what? What are we doing here? <laughs> Why are we walking here? And the other person will say, that's the point, just to be together, to be with one another. That's kind of what the church is meant to be to be a family of God for eternity. The point is God. The point is fellowship. The point is one another. But also the point is that we would be an instrument. So the church is God's people unleashed for the world and to be the church. Now let's go over this first sentence, God's people. Let's go over and see in the Bible how God calls us his people. This is a synonym of um, church. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9, we read, but you are a chosen people. Now, to us, that doesn't sound like much. We have to understand the context. For all of history, from the time of Abraham, Israel was God's people. A very special kind of people. You have to be born by flesh to be God's people. God had his sights on Israel. But then it was about Jesus. And when Jesus comes, that transfers over for everyone who's in Christ, Jew or Gentile alike. And now we are God's people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That is so glorious. You know, one of the most important aspects of being God's people is that we, are, we ought to be distinct from the world. Just like with Israel, when God calls people out of bondage and makes his people to be his possession, He charges them to be different from surrounding nations. That hasn't changed. To be a people of God, a church today, means that we are distinct from the world. We are set apart from the world. We are not like the world. The Bible said, it's not the Bible. (laughs) There's common language, common saying that the opposites attract. I love that. Only when the church is the light does the world want to pay attention. Only when the church is distinct and apart from the world does the world want to hear our message, which is the gospel of Jesus. Is the gossip tearing up a church? Well, the world says we have that on social media. Is this unity in your church? Well, we have that on reality TV. Scandals, absolutely. Apathy towards one another. Man, you you have that in the world. People don't care about each other. You walk through Seattle, there is nothing sunny about Seattle. It's like dark. Nobody greets each other. Nobody smiles. That's the world Selfish, Self-absorbed. A church is self-absorbed. Look at us. Nothing new. When a church begins to be set apart, different, distinct, a people of love, a people of sacrifice, generosity, kindness, um, that's when the church begins to attract. The church is God's people with a special calling to be distinct from the world. The church is Christ's bride. Oh, you love this language, don't you? The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is my favorite passage to read when doing weddings because I always point out, husbands, love your wives just as. Not kinda, not similar to how Christ loves the church, just as that he gives his life for her on the cross And watch this, but this is about the church, not about marriage here. Well, it's both. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself, my golly, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, well, we won't go there. Do you see? The church is called his Bride. In Revelation 19, we read these words. This is when it all ends or actually begins. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen and bright and pure. Some of you are maybe like weirded out by that language. I've heard this funny saying that women have to get used to being called brother in the Bible and men have to get used to being called the bride of Christ. (laughs) But we are the bride of Christ. Oh, you know what that means? That means that Christ has us in his sight. He's making us glorious. He's making us beautiful. And he, with Revelation 19, which is future, did it. He's always faithful. He always can be trusted. I love how in this passage, the way Jesus sanctifies the church, makes the church glorious and beautiful, is with the word. Notice that word, word, in verse 26. Last word. You could circle it in your Bible. The word. You know, you could have a healthy church, without awesome children's programs. You can have a hel- an awesome, awesome church without an awesome building, without an awesome building. You can have a healthy church without awesome worship band, but thank God, we have an awesome worship band. But you can never have a healthy church without the proclamation of the word of God. Never. In fact, if you ever find out there's a church that's healthy, You don't need to know too much about them. There's one thing you do know. They are serious about the word of God. And the word of God is how Jesus sanctifies us. He makes us beautiful and on our way to become more like him. Oh, how about this one? The church is God's family. You want to know what a church is? Family. The best kind of family. In Galatians chapter 6, we could pull it up. As we have therefore opportunity, this is Paul writing, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. That word household of faith will be repeatedly used for, to describe the church. You know, the Bible uses the word Christian three times. The Bible uses the word disciple a whole lot more, and I love that. But the main, main way the Bible addresses Christians is brother or brother and sister. We are meant to be a family. Think about Jesus and how he introduces God to be our father. Old Testament only uses the word father 15 times. Jesus will use it 165 times, not to speak of the rest of the New Testament. A Christian is simply someone who has God as their Father. But being having God as their Father or our Father makes us into a family. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I like to look at you as my brother and sister, and Jesus is our brother. So household of God. Number four, church is God's temple. In Ephesians two nineteen verses nineteen through twenty two. It says this. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. All right, how many of you are like, I got questions? I got a big question. If God is omnipresent, what is going on here? God dwells in a church? Now, I smile because it's just awesome to think about. Now, it's true. God is omnipresent, means he's everywhere. There's not an inch in the entire universe where God is not. There's nowhere you can hide from God. God is in darkness. God is in light. God is everywhere. And yet we also realize that there is another level of God's presence. And level two presence, level one is God's omnipresence, level two presence of God is when he is in the uh, believer, dwells, indwells by his spirit, the believer. That's cool. Each believer has the God on the inside of them. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Each believer has God the Spirit on the inside of them. But that's level two. And yet there's level three. God also promises a special presence when two or three gather. Can you imagine? (laughs) When I was at home, I just got level one and level two of God's presence coming together with you into the dwelling place of God. Not this building, not this theater, but you. You together, us together, become the temple of God's presence. This is real. This is awesome. God's temple. Number five. The church is Christ's body. Oh, now we could read so many passages, but I think this is the favorite image of what a church is, the body of Christ. So I'm just going to choose Romans 12 verses 4 through 5. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You hear that? You are the body of Christ that speaks to our unity. Our church is meant to be United, I love the disciples of Jesus. You know the disciples of Jesus. My dad used to always pick on me, like you know all the Seahawks players, but you don't know the names of the disciples of Jesus. So I learned what the disciples of Jesus were. But I love six disciples of Jesus. Just, I mean, think about who God calls or Jesus calls to follow Him. These twelve disciples. I'll tell you six of them and how different they are, and then ask yourself the question: How were they united? And we're going to answer that. They're the body of Christ. They're meant to be the body of Christ. Take Thomas. Remember Thomas? The thing about Thomas we read is that he was doubting. He needed evidence. A ton of evidence. Some of you are like that. You're like, I need evidence. I'm not going to believe anything. Don't, you're not going to get me. I need to see it. He needed to see the scars of Jesus to believe. But take, for example, on the opposite spectrum, Nathaniel. You know what Nathaniel does? Jesus meets him and says, Hey, Nathaniel, I saw you under the tree praying. This is what Nathaniel says, You are the Son of God. He just believes. And there's people like that, you know, who just have a heart so open. Take, for example, John and Peter. Oh, I love John. John is God's presence kind of guy. We read repeatedly that what John does is he spends time with Jesus, like in proximity. Peter is an action guy. He's a doer. You know what Peter wants to do? He looks at the presence guy and says, come on, why are we talking about, why are we praying too much here? Why are we leaning in too much? Why are we worshiping God? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go work, let's go do stuff. But my favorite is the two characters, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. Do you know what that means? Simon the Zealot. Okay, this is someone who hates Rome who wants to see Israel established with their independence. This is someone who's very political, okay? Translation, mega guy, all right? This is the guy who denies moon landing. He's got two Trump flags on his truck. This is that guy. But you got Matthew, the tax collector, and Democrats love taxes, so he's going to be on the opposite spectrum. And here, here, Matthew is someone who works for Rome, loves, I don't know if loves, but sells out. And Jesus calls this group to be his disciples. One will fall out, the 11, plus another one that will join them, plus Apostle Paul that will join them, become the foundation on which the church is laid. Jesus, this is who you've got? Yeah. This is what our church is every kind of person, every kind of you, every, everywhere we're at, and we're called to be united. And the reason we can be united and as a body of Christ is not because we all look the same, think the same, but because we love one Jesus. And, we are alle- and our allegiance is to one Jesus. So the church is God's people brought into existence according to the plan of god through the son in the power of the spirit god's people another way to describe it is the bride of christ the temple of the holy spirit family of god body of christ now here's some something that i need to share with you that might be a little tough but i promise you it's worth it we were speaking of the one big church Theologians call it um, the invisible church. The church that Jesus has is not two. Jesus has just one church, just one bride, just one kind of people, just one family, just one temple, just one body. And this body is one, not two. It is universal, meaning everybody from every place on uh, on the earth is part of it in the past, present, and future. Everybody who's professed their faith and uh, and surrendered to Jesus as Lord belongs in this one church. And this church is invisible. It exists. It is. I want to tell you how cool is that. How cool is that that right now there is a church of Christ that exists in the, on the globe? This is why I love to think about my brothers in China, my brothers and sisters in Brazil. I mean, do you realize how close you are to them? Closer you to them than to anybody else who's not a believer. We are one church globally, one church church and here's the reality you are in it you are the church this is why when somebody says i'm into jesus not the church got it wrong because if you're into jesus you're already part of the church too late (laughs) you can't be against the church it's like self-denying your existence To be into Jesus, to trust Christ, is to get planted into this one invisible body of Christ that spans the time, past, present, and future. This is the bride of Christ that Jesus is coming for. This is heaven's family. And you are part of it. But now let's talk about the local church. If Eugene, that's what the church is, as the invisible, one universal church that we spiritually belong to, what is the local church? I will simply say this, that the local church is the invisible church made visible in practical and tangible ways. It is who we are in Christ, spiritually, it is who we are in Christ as one, united with every saint who's ever lived. But the local church is the tangible expression of the invisible church. It is the participation in this church. The only way to be, have a part of that church experience is through the local church. Let me put it this way. The local church is the family of God made visible. How cool is that? If you ever want to participate and know what it's like to be part of the family of God, you go to your local church. If you ever want to know what it's like to be the body of Christ on mission, you go to the local church. The local church is an expression, a tangible taste of the church that we are all part of in Christ. I'm a fan of the local church for these reasons that this is the church made visible. This is the church, the kingdom of God, present for others to see. Let me give you a couple of applications of this. If the local church is the invisible body of Christ, made visible in a small, tiny way in Kent, here's what it means. Number one, that our family of God is meant to be made visible. We are meant to display to the world and to each other the blessings of being a family. All right, so what do you think? Are we a family of God in practice? Are we doing family of God things? Because that's what a church is. And remember, that's what the body of Christ is. It's a family of God. So it's meant to be displayed for us. Let me give you a couple of practical guidelines for how we can go about this. You know, the Bible in the New Testament repeatedly talks about one anothering. Have you ever heard that word one another? Do something to one another. It speaks of reciprocity and mutuality. People tell us there's about 50 of them. I've collapsed them to 34, and I decided to read them all for you as a demonstration of what a family of God does. You ready? Now, when I read this, I want you to be like, which of these I, I, I can do better, or I can grow in? Number one, love one another. Honor one another. Greet one another. Welcome one another. Show hospitality to one another. Have fellowship with one another. The first six, we got to knock out of the park every church service. Number seven, this is discipleship group, uh, agree with one another, live in harmony with one another, be at peace with one another, be kind to one another. This is what the family of God in the New Testament does. Forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, bear with one another. By the way, the difference there is, it's the guy you got to carry. It's the person, the, the girl you have to carry. Number 14, comfort one another care for one another, confess sins to one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, build one another up, exhort one another, instruct one another, teach and admonish one another, sing with one another, stir up another to love and good works, do good to one another, serve one another, be humble toward one another, submit to one another, speak the truth to one another and for more. Do not speak against one another. Do not judge one another. Do not provoke one another. Do not envy one another. I want to go to one another church. This is awesome. This is what a family of God does. This is what a family of God looks like. They one another each other. It is reciprocal. It is mutual. And let me tell you what this means. As church, as a church, as a local church, let's do this in programs and organically. I really believe in community that is programmed and a community that is organic. What, what, what I mean by programs is events. You know, things that we do like this scheduled hour of worship. Mercy night, scheduled hour of worship. Your discipleship group, scheduled hour of worship. Paintball, scheduled hour of fun, (laughs) okay? Whatever it is, it's scheduled. Now here's what I want to say. A church is meant to have programmed community, but I am a big fan of also organic community. It's the stuff that's not scheduled. It's the phone call that you didn't expect It's a text message of encouragement you were waiting for, but you didn't know where it's going to come from. It's the coffee that you go grab with somebody and just cry with and pray with, organic. Let me tell you something. A church can be good at one of the two. Sometimes a church can just be good at programming. And let me tell you what danger there lies. Sometimes we have this understanding that our church ends when the event ends, So when I'm at church, church is in session. When I'm out of church, church is out of session. When I'm back in church, church is in session. That is crazy. I mean, imagine if you were as a family, had a good meal, and after the meal, the dad or somebody stood up and says, all right, guys, our family is over. We're going to pick up being a family in a few. You would say, what? See, this is why at the end of our service, we very strategically say, our church service is over. Being the church continues and never ends and continues through programs and through organic community. Mercy Church, can I call you to one another each other? This is the greatest, I think, apologetic, that that word means like defense of Christian faith. Just talking to somebody recently about other religions, and you don't find other religions words like Love one another. Forgive your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Love those who persecute you. Love is our characteristic. So I want to ask you, out of these 34 I read, which of them do you have in the bag? And which of them can you start doing today? Number two, implication of being the body of Christ in tangible form, local church, is this. We are to be unleashed for the world, and for one another. As a body of Christ, we are meant to preach the gospel. Church, who else is going to preach the gospel? You ever think about that? It's got to be the church. And you'll say, well, Eugene, it's got to be the believer. Yes, but I do not find individuals living in autonomy, becoming evangelists. It's usually the church that sets uh, acts as a headquarters as a springboard for evangelism. As a church, we are on mission to share the gospel. In September, I had a sermon and I said that let's make a goal here, a challenge. By next time this September, we're challenging every single one of us to share the gospel at least once. So it's just a reminder. We're on our way. We're the body of Christ. But No one's gonna share the gospel but the church of Jesus. Nobody's gonna engage in good deeds but the church of Jesus. Practically speaking, it's not the atheists that are out there giving their lives up for causes like malaria and dissent, whatever it was. It's Christians. The body of Christ is meant to do things, to be the body of Christ. I was listening to a sermon recently. They talked about an amputee Jesus because the church has refused to be all that it's meant to be. And you are members of this church. You are a hand, you are a foot, you are an eye, and you're meant to work together to be the church for the world and for each other. Number three, the church, the local church here, is necessary for spiritual progress because we gather around the word We spur one another. We sing songs that align our hearts. We need each other's faith. We need each other's encouragement. Number four, when we gather as a local church, God's special presence is here among us. That makes me want to sing praises right now to him. We're his temple. He is here. And that should not be discounted. That does not mean nothing. May not see it, may not feel it, he is here. And we'll be wrapping up and we get the keys up here. Fifth point of application love the local church. I wanted to write a question here for number five why not love the local church? But do you love the local church? Are you a believer in the church? You are planted into the family of God. Do you love to see and do you work for the tangible realities of being this family of God? Here's my challenge. The way you love a local church is have it become your priority in life. It includes coming to church on Sunday. It's not all there is to a local church. Remember, we're talking about being the church, continuing church. But coming to church on Sunday is absolutely vital. And research shows us that most Christians or a lot of Christians who consider themselves to be Christians and seriously so will attend church at maximum twice a month. That's uh, 26 hours a year. Think about what that means for my formation and growth. 26 hours? Some of us do 26 hours on Netflix every week. On top of TikTok and social media, on top of crazy breaking news. And coming to church, make it a priority. May church be your excuse to miss everything else. Isn't it true how we like to use something else to excuse us from going to church? I'm challenging you here today, may church be your excuse to miss everything else. Number two, the way to love a church is find a church to belong to. One of the best ways to belong to a church is through membership. Membership simply means it's an opportunity to love someone, commit to someone, and know they and their leadership is committed to me. Serve. (laughs) Serve in a church. Whatever way you can find. I know some of you are like, I don't know what my gift is. Anybody there? (laughs) I know a lot of us are like, I don't know. what. You know what I realized? Plugging in a hole, lending a hand, praying for somebody being generous, all of these ways makes you a contributor to the church, and I find, and you will find that to be so fulfilling because it is glorious to serve in the church. This is the plan of God. This is what's going to happen and be be for eternity. Find ways to do organic community. I love over the last year, I don't know if it's me, but I don't know if you noticed this, but our church hangs out quite a bit now around the refreshments. That's, there's a reason for that. we want to build deeper and deeper relationships. And I want to invite you to become and be part of building up and becoming a family of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit, a body of Christ. So let us pray. Jesus, we want to just thank you that by your blood you have redeemed for yourself a people. Holy Spirit, thank you that you have applied all the benefits of the cross our way, that we today exist as a family of God. Father, thank you for planning this. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our bonds, help us love one another Help us be the tangible expression of the invisible church, which we are by grace in you. Oh God, we thank you. We pray for our congregation. We pray for our spiritual progress. We pray for boldness and courage to share our faith in our communities. We pray for boldness and selflessness to step up and engage in good deeds. Lord, and we thank you that you are here in a way that you have promised. Where two or three are gathered, you are here. Oh God, it is glorious. It is something for us. We thank you. Amen.